Hey, all right, squad, we are back in the building. Hello, hello, my name is Remy Alau. You might know me as Chaco Thunder. You might know me as Dami. I'm your host for this very, very special and season finale episode of The Gospel of Anime. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being here. I am abundantly blessed and thankful that you would even take the time to listen. Uh, and I really believe God's going to do some awesome stuff through this season finale episode. So this episode is episode number seven of season one. And as I'm sure you guys have heard a million times, but I'm gonna tell you again anyway, because I like to, the purpose of this podcast is to use the fiction of anime to highlight God's truth. We often have two separate segments of this show. One called an off-topic segment. In that off-topic segment, we tend to talk about something that might not be related to anime, but it's something that I really think will bless you. And we have a we have a hyperbolic time chamber segment. We take a trip to the hyperbolic time chamber. I've explained this a lot in previous podcasts, but I think I'll just, you know, tone it down a little bit and just let you guys know the hyperbolic time chamber is from Dragon Ball Z. It is a location in which the characters go to get stronger. They go through immense discomfort, immense pressure, uh, and they are also stationed very nearby God. They go there and find themselves getting stronger exponentially in a short amount of time. And spending time near the Father, spending time near God can do that to you. So while we're here, the purpose is to get you stronger get you fresh out that hyperbolic time chamber looking super saiyan too anyway so today we will be discovering the gospel through dragon ball z and we won't be having an off-topic segment today we'll just be diving straight into it and since we are talking about the hyperbolic time chamber and already talking about dragon ball z as a whole i think we can just cruise on into this so we talked about the hyperbolic time chamber, uh, but uh, I wanted to discuss a part of how God gave me that revelation uh, before. And he didn't use the ter- I mean, he didn't use the term hyperbolic time chamber the first time. I'll tell you what. Uh, I was listening to uh, some preaching by a gentleman named Jerry Flowers, Pastor Jerry Flowers. He can deliver the word of God. He who glory to the most high. Brother's gifted and he's obedient, and I love that about him. But anyway, Pastor Jerry Flowers was preaching on a sermon he uh, a sermon series he called Trap House, and on I believe it's the first, uh, the first speaking of the first message of that sermon series, he talks about traps in hallways. Trap house, you get a trap. Traps out. Anyway, he talks about traps in hallways. He talks about how. Jesus often did his most amazing, most sensational, some of the most memorable miracles we see him do in the Bible is when he was in the hallway, when he was going from one place to another, when he was on his way to a location. That's how the woman that had the issue of blood got healed. That's how countless people got healed. This, our savior is, he's slick like that. And that's something that I, uh, That really resonated with me when I heard him say it. But he also mentions that 
attacks from the enemy can be most severe when you're in the hallway, when you're in a transition period, when you're going from one season of life to another. The enemy knows that if he can snuff you out at a period where you are not yet developed for the next season, that next season can be a wash. He can he can stop you from going further. But anyway, when I heard that, I was like, this is familiar. Why is this familiar? I was like, oh, because it sounds a little bit like the hyperbolic time chamber. And what more than what's more than that, it sounds like the season of the tutorial. If you play video games, you might be familiar with the tutorial aspect of the game. If you don't play video games, let me tell you a little bit about what it is. When you're playing a game, you pick up the controller for the first time and this game's new to you. All the buttons mean something different than they mean during the last game. All the things that would have worked in the last game, all the things that would have worked in another season are no longer working the way you want them to. When you find yourself in the tutorial, you are, you are seldom surrounded by other actual players. Everyone around you is like an NPC. Uh, you, it's basically you. NPC is a non-player character. It's basically you and the people and materials around you that are designed to prepare you for the next stage, for the next level. This is a transition period. You step into... You step into the tutorial, the tutorial of life or the hallway of life or the hyperbolic time chamber. It'll basically be you and God. Your mom might be there. Your friends might be there. Your family might be there. However, they are not called to be in the season that you're in. So you might, you may not be alone. You might feel lonely, but you are with God. He is there building you up, equipping you and teaching you for the next phase of life for the next level. And what's so cool about this analogy to me, the way the Lord uh, made it clear to me is the tutorial happens mostly in the beginning. In the beginning, you have to learn a lot so you can be functional in this game, in this level, in this season. But as you progress, you learn new things and that those new things you learned are almost they are accompanied by a miniature tutorial. The people or the person that gave you the wisdom the first time, in this case, God, might chime in again and say, hey, now that you've mastered this, we're going to give you this. This is a new gift you have. This is a new ability you have. This is a new talent that I'm going to show you how to rework so you can be excessively efficient, if you will, in this season. And, ooh, I don't know why this hit so hard for me. For example, you might be, you might be a mechanic. You might learn the basics of every American-made model and become so proficient at fixing, repairing, creating, assembling these American-made cars. But once you master that, your boss or the person who educated you says, Amazing. You've done well with what you've been given. I'm going to give you another gift. I'm going to give you the gift of learning how to make, build, assemble Japanese vehicles. This not only adds to your ability, this adds to how well you can be effective in your field. 
When someone comes in with a Ford, you can help them. When someone comes in with a Toyota, you can help them. But in order to get to this point, you need to step back into the tutorial version of life, the tutorial season, and let the person that gave you the wisdom teach you again. So taking frequent trips to the hyperbolic time chamber, taking frequent trips to the tutorial is a necessary part of life if you seek growth in your life. And I want to I wanna make it clear that this will happen multiple times in your life. You won't just go through one tutorial and then say, Jesus, I made it. Lord, you did it. I am now ready to preach everywhere. I'm ready to preach in different languages because I got the gift of speaking in other tongues. I'm ready to do. That's not how it works. Uh, And honestly, thank God that's not how it works because I truly believe that's when pride creeps in. When you start behaving like you no longer need the gift giver to implement your gift wherever you want to. Keeping him close keeps you functional. Keeping him close keeps you effective. But I don't know how I got on that tangent. Anyway, I just wanted to tell you a little bit about the tutorial of life (laughs) and uh, how that applies to what we know as the hyperbolic time chamber. We're like I said, we're going to talk about Dragon Ball Z. And when we talk about Dragon Ball Z, we cannot talk about this show without talking about how Goku trains, how he takes many seasons in his life and enters his tutorial where he acknowledges uh, whoever is being used at the time to teach him more and adopting that ability and growing. But let me tell you a little bit about this show first. This, this show, it's a classic. Some people call Dragon Ball Z the father of modern day battle shonen. Battle shonen is a genre in which it's marketed towards adolescent males, but a lot of fighting, a lot of cool action scenes, a lot of memorable characters, a lot of times really good uh, morals of the story type type shows. So like I said, if you're fun, unfamiliar with Dragon Ball Z, it's fairly famous. It is one of the first anime I've ever watched, if not the first anime, and it's it's what paved the way actually to me becoming as big of a fan of anime as I am. My college roommate, uh, I call him my anime sensei because he's, he's the one that introduced me to anime. He, we met freshman year before school even starts. And I see him and me, if you, if you've seen me, I'm big and black. Uh, he is tall, slender and white. And at the time, he had a couple tattoos. He uh, had a mullet and a Jedi braid. If you know what that is from from Star Wars, some of the Jedi had a braid, a single braid going down the back of their hair. And he had skinny jeans on. I saw him and I was like, oh, this is going to be an interesting semester because I don't know. We, we just don't look like we would be friends. As the semester goes on, I don't really talk to him that much. He's from the area, so he... Uh, gets off campus a little bit, but one day I'm listening to music. I'm listening to this rapper and he hears my music and says, oh, wow, you listen to that rapper too? Interesting. Oh, he's great. And up until this point, as his roommate, I only really heard him listen to like heavy metal or death metal or hardcore music. But then he says, oh, I like that rapper too. I said, okay, cool, cool, cool. As I'm setting up my room, he 
notices that I have a couple seasons of the show Dragon Ball Z just in my collection. And he says, oh, you watch Dragon Ball Z? And I say, yes, of course. Do you watch Dragon Ball Z? And he says, of course I do. And he asks, asks me, do you watch any other anime? And I say, nah, gee, sorry, Dragon Ball Z is it. It's it for me. And as we grow close in friendship, as we grow close as roommates, he introduces me to additional anime. And as you can tell, the rest is history. But anyway, Dragon Ball Z is fairly famous of an anime. And the story follows a kid named Goku. Uh, it's a it's a three, four-ish part, part series. It starts with Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z. There is a series called Dragon Ball GT. We don't really talk about that. And then there's Dragon Ball Super. In Dragon Ball, we meet Goku and he's just a kid. He's a kid living by himself in the middle of the wilderness. And you see him taking care of himself, fishing to feed himself, using the restroom out in the great outdoors. And he lives in this very small area. And you'll notice on a pillow is a ball. A ball with four stars on it. This is a Dragon Ball. He holds this Dragon Ball dear to his heart because it's the last, one of the last things his grandfather gave him before his grandfather passed away. Before long, a teenage girl shows up and she is also, well, also, she is looking for Dragon Balls. The reason why is because there's a legend. If you collect all seven Dragon Balls, a dragon will show up and grant your wish. This teenage girl is looking for these Dragon Balls so she could wish for a boyfriend. So you can tell that that, eh, I wouldn't call that a great reason. She shows up, sees Goku, Goku surprises her, and she shoots him in the face. I kid you not. This is, it's the most anime thing you'll ever see. She shoots him in the face, and Goku, because he's so strong, abnormally so, he, he just shakes it off. He feels the pain, but he shakes it off. Bulma can tell, Bulma is the name of the teenage girl, Bulma can tell that Goku's not normal. He's super strong and he has a tail coming out of his lower spine. She appeals to him and his kind nature and says, how about this? Since you won't give me that Dragon Ball because your grandpa gave it to you, come with me as I look for the rest of them. She's trying to manipulate him. I... I'm still, I'm still working towards forgiving her for that, but hey, we won't talk about it. But anyway, that's kind of how the show starts. Despite Goku being reluctant, they go on this adventure in order to find the rest of the Dragon Ball so Bulma can make her wish and so Goku can see more of the world. Goku fancies himself a martial artist because he learned this from his grandpa, and along the way, they face different enemies. They face different... Uh, battles, people that want to harm them, people that want to take advantage of them, and most often through either intelligence from Bulma or strength from Goku. They succeed and often get out, get new friends out of the deal. They connect with these people that once tried to harm them, choose to forgive them, and make them their friends. Goku, since his youth, was a lot like that. He had a knack for protecting. He had a knack for helping others. And countless times in the series, we see him do this uh, through Dragon Ball, through Dragon Ball Z, through Dragon Ball Super and Dragon Ball GT. Goku is so known for helping others and being someone that others can count on 
that he even is the one that people turn to when the earth, the whole planet needs protecting. When you flash forward to Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball Super, we learn that Goku isn't fighting. He's not just fighting on behalf of others. He's also cultivating. In a previous podcast, we've talked about the importance of cultivation, cultivating our gifts, cultivating what we have in our possession, being good stewards of what we've been given, whether that's gifts, finances, all, all of the above. And I mean this in the most literal sense, Goku is a cultivator because in Dragon Ball Super, when he's not fighting and protecting others, he's a farmer. Brother farms radishes, randomly enough. So, I don't know, I think, I think Jesus is slick like that, just sliding that in there. I, some might say, Tommy, there's no way, no actual way Akira Toriyama, the writer of Dragon Ball Z, added that to the series just so you can talk about it in a podcast. You might say that, but my God could do anything, so uh, take that. But Goku doesn't stop at just cultivating and farming seed, sowing seed and reaping a harvest. He does so with the people in his life too. He does so with his son Gohan. His son Gohan has a lot of potential. His son Gohan like his father, was born strong. However, his son Gohan, like his father, has a kind heart. The perfect person to continue to grow up to protect the earth alongside his father. We've previously talked about the principles of sowing, reaping, yielding fruit from uh, the cultivation you do, and how principles are implementing principles are necessary in order to yield a harvest a productive harvest but we also talked about how being close to god can be the can excuse the pun be the fertilizer to your hard work and cultivation to yield exponential efficiency when it comes to the fruit that you're hoping to get goku does this with his son and takes him to the literal hyperbolic time chamber right before they are about to battle a terrible bad guy named Cell. In the Android Saga and Cell Saga, Goku is very, very deliberate with the time he spends in the hyperbolic time chamber training and raising up his son. Not just physically, but also mentally. And he does this in preparation for the battle ahead, in preparation for the next season. He cultivates his son, takes him to the hyperbolic time chamber, has his son experience a tutorial, and prepares him for the next level, for the next season of life. That's it, though. That's the truth. That's the lifestyle. If you are close to your father and rely on him to train you up, he can help you be ready for battle. He can help you be ready when the enemy comes to try to snuff you out. Goku being the loving father and intentional dad that he is. This is just the tip of the iceberg on his Christ-like behavior, on the revelation in this show. Another thing I absolutely adore about Goku is his forgiving heart. We mentioned this a moment ago. Goku, literally nearly every single person he calls friend, at one point attacked Goku first at one point tried to sabotage Goku first, 
at one point wanted to drag Goku down first. But after living through and in righteousness with Goku's pure heart and defeating these enemies, he chooses to forgive. He chooses to show them a better way. He chooses to educate them on ways in which they can continue to be friends and live a life pure and still enjoy yourself and still enjoy life. Nearly all of the Z fighters, all of the main characters in Dragon Ball Z, they started off as one of Goku's enemies, one of his opposition. Some of them quite literally tried to snuff Goku out. I mean, after all, y- y'all heard me when I said that Bulma shot him in the face immediately. And they still become best friends and travel the world together. Before long, there's a gentleman named Yamcha and his pet cat, and they attack Goku and Bulma in the desert. Goku folds him. And then Yamcha says, I need to grow. I need to be strong. I, there's something about Goku that I know I don't have. And being like him probably is the best way to do it. This is, this is a side note, but are the people in your life that seek to harm you Do they have the opportunity to say that about you? Do they have the opportunity to say, even though I tried to harm them, the way they forgave me, the way they continue to treat me with respect, the way they represent Jesus Christ, it's amazing. And it makes me want to turn. It makes me want to change my ways. It makes me want to ally with the people that they are allied with. Ally with the Most High King. If not, just something to think about. You know, you could always work on that. We, I should say, could always work on that. Because trust me, I am not there yet. Goku, as a result of this, these characteristics, I feel like takes the forgive people seven times 70 scriptures so seriously. He takes it to heart. But despite that amazing fact about Goku... That is still not the real reason I want us to chat about him today. I want to chat about Goku because of transformation. If you've seen Dragon Ball Z, you already know what I'm talking about. But, well, for, for the people who haven't, we'll, we'll, we'll dive deep. We'll get there. In Dragon Ball Z, uh, quite literally the first couple episodes of the second series of the Dragon Ball Saga, we learn that Goku is not from Earth. We learn that, strangely enough, he's an alien. Despite the fact he looks human, uh, he's an alien. And that should have been clear by the tale he had, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll let it slide. Goku is a member of a warrior race called the Saiyans. The Saiyans, however, have gone extinct, nearly extinct. There's a few of them left. Goku and Vegeta, very prominent characters in Dragon Ball Z, are two of the only full-blood Saiyans left in the galaxy. And with these alien characteristics, they have strength that Earthlings could only dream of achieving. But thank God Goku uses it for good. (laughs) But anyway, Goku, doing what he does, is defending another group of people from someone that seeks to harm them. He's fighting on behalf of the Namekian people. There's a long story on why they are on this other planet that's millions of miles away. But 
these people, the, the Nemics, they have just experienced a mass genocide, a brutal attack by an intergalactic warlord. This, this character, the awful warlord, his name is Frieza. This Frieza seeks the Dragon Balls on a different planet, all for the purpose of wishing himself immortality. And he does this so he can maintain his terrible rule forever. Goku finds himself facing this warlord Frieza, who is coincidentally also the person that killed Goku's family, Goku's kin. He's the one that eradicated the Saiyans that were left in the galaxy. So the reason that Goku and Vegeta are basically people that are uh, of a people that are about to go extinct is because of this Frieza. And Frieza also is the person that set Vegeta on the path of evil. He's also the person that, that warped Vegeta's potential and the potential of the entire Saiyan race by making them planet conquerors, by forcing them to fight for Frieza's finance, financial stability, I guess. But the journey Goku underwent in order to get into this position was a journey of discomfort. It was a journey of pressure all resulting in his improved strength. Goku did not have a hyperbolic time chamber in his back pocket, but he did have friends that could basically make one. Goku learned that pressure was what it took to make him strong enough to fight against evil, so he sought it out. How amazing would, would we grow to be if we sought out pressure for the purpose of getting stronger? I recognize pressure is uncomfortable. I recognize no one really wants to go through hardship, to go through discomfort. But if you know it's going to make you stronger, I think it's worth it. And Goku obviously thinks so too. Goku elects to train in a spaceship that has a dial that can turn the gravity up to 100 times Earth's normal gravity. And when he finally arrives on Namek, he's unrecognizable. In the days leading up to his arrival on the planet, he undergoes his own small transformation. He is able to withstand pressures that other people could only dream about, pressures that will equip him for any environment that he finds himself in. He has gone through the ringer already, so everything else he experiences from this point on feels like child's play because he got stronger. When Goku arrives, he's folding people. He is in a perfect position to save his son, to save his friends, to save his enemies. And he does exactly that. But despite being strong, one can still be attacked, manipulated, tricked, and injured, and harmed. The enemy is intelligent, and he learns. So when he sees where you're weak, he will go after that with full force. And something like that happens to Goku. He gets tricked, manipulated, attacked, and injured. And the enemy, like one would assume, aimed for his weakness. But Goku gets the opportunity to heal up gets the opportunity to, to be another asset to his friends and family on this planet, and gets the opportunity to fight Frieza face to face. 
after being back to 100% health after this injury, he's looking Frieza dead in the face. And he recognizes that Frieza, as evil as he is, as diabolical as he is, needs to be put down. The way Frieza cared so little for human life, the way Frieza almost goes out of his way to, to create trauma, to create pain for others. Goku can't stop himself from fighting on behalf of the, uh, of the other people, of the Namics, and even fighting on behalf of Vegeta, the person who knowingly was harmed so much by Frieza. But despite this, Goku is painfully outmatched. Once the fight begins, Frieza is surprised. He's surprised at how strong Goku is. He notices that Goku is far stronger than anyone he's ever faced before. I'm telling you, that pressure, that increased gravity, that discomfort will do wonders for you when it comes to your strength. And Frieza notices this. However, Frieza's still just like, yeah, Goku's strong, but his strength pales in comparison to mine. This is until the warlord Frieza goes too far and kills Goku's best friend Krillin. Let's slide some of the word of God into this. I got y'all. As some of you may know, this moment, this moment initiates Goku's true transformation. In 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 through 18, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. When, kill when Krillin gets killed by Frieza, it triggers a transformation in Goku that becomes hard to sustain. And if you're watching it, you, you know exactly what I mean. His, his hair's flashing between yellow and black. He's visibly uncomfortable. He knows that something different is happening. He knows that, that he's not about to be the same creature. And this is all happening while he's overcome with emotion. This change is occurring and it's making his strength exponentially higher. But you see that he's struggling to control it. He's struggling to control this new version of him because of where he finds himself. This was not an environment where you could safely change. This was an environment where he was in danger. This was a hallway when the enemy at any point could have attacked him. And Goku's wrestling with that while trying to remain righteous and having so much anger, but trying his hardest to hold it back. When we as believers change and become a new creation, the old is gone and everything has become new. But the newness, as it spreads to our body and our actions, as it spreads to the way that we move, it can become difficult to channel that newness in an old environment. When you are faced with the same struggles, the same challenges, when you are faced with the same friends sometimes, the people that don't know that you are new, you could find yourself almost struggling to continue to channel that newness. But when that happens, 
when God takes you from your base form to your super form, you have to change. It doesn't, that change does start on the inside, but you'll find yourself wanting to change on the outside too. In 2 Corinthians, Second uh, Corinthians 5, we drop down to verse 20. It says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. This is, this is where I feel like Goku's heart, Goku's purity, Goku's forgiveness is so legendary and just, it fits so well with the Bible, guys. I mean, man, look at God. Anyway, Goku catches that same revelation of that scripture. And when he goes Super Saiyan, he does all, he starts immediately to move differently. Yeah, he's faster. Yeah, he's stronger. Yeah, he's now got a little bit more of an upper hand in the fight. But when he notices that he can dictate the terms because of the strength that he's built up, because he's now a new creation, because he is now a new creature, he starts giving Frieza an out. He starts telling Frieza, hey, you won't defeat me. It's time to repent. Turn from your old ways. Like the word of God tells us, Goku becomes an ambassador for good and justice. And he makes his appeal to Frieza to become different, to repent, to turn. I want to implore you now to turn from evil and turn back to Jesus. You may not have been an evil warlord, you may not have done what Frieza has done. But turn away from the selfish lifestyle you were living in the same way that Frieza was living a selfish lifestyle. Let God and the Holy Spirit take you from your base form and turn you into a new creation. Let them make you super. Right now, I want to give you that opportunity. What you've done doesn't matter to God. He's happy to accept you into his family. You too are worthy of becoming super alongside of him. You too are worthy of being empowered by him and the Holy Spirit. And you too are worthy of being saved from a planet that we know is about to blow up in five minutes. Quote unquote, five minutes. You don't have to go down in the same way that Frieza went down. And the good news is, it's more than just Save saving from a lake of fire. It's the gift of, yes, eternal life, but being empowered by the Holy Spirit and being one with the one that can answer all your questions, that can forgive all your mistakes, the one that can hold you close to his heart and give you peace. If you are interested in becoming a new creation today, please say this after me. Father God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. I accept him into my heart, and I believe you raised him from the dead. And I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Thank you for saving me 
and washing away my sins. I know that I've made mistakes, but now I want you to be Lord of my life. Make me a new creation. Forgive me. Renew me. Save me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let me be the first to congratulate you on making the best decision you'll ever make in your life. God is happy and heaven is turning up because you made that decision today. What I want you to do now, I want you to tell someone immediately. The enemy will try to make it seem like this was this was fake, that this doesn't count because it was through a podcast or whatever, but that is a lie. I want you to know that you are now different. God has already changed you from your base form to to a super version of you, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Please tell me, tell me, tell somebody, and celebrate. Because this is something that's worth celebration. Remember this day. And if you're you're looking at how to tell me, slide into my DMs, ChacoThunder28, on TikTok, on Instagram. I I promise I will be there and I'll reply. But I I want to get the opportunity to congratulate you. But thank you so much for listening. Thank you for making it to the end. And thank you so much for riding along with me through this first season of this podcast. And by the grace of God, if he's willing, there'll be another season. And then we'll be right back at talking about the the beauty of the gospel of anime. Stay blessed and highly favored, guys. I'm going to catch y'all later. Peace. (laughs) 